morning, everyone. A good friend of mine recently reminded me that not very long ago, we only really had two options when we wanted to eat food from restaurants in our house. You remember that time pretty well. Those options were pizza and Chinese food. That's pretty much all you could order to have a meal in your own home. But now we have services like Uber Eats, Grubhub, and my favorite, DoorDash. And now you can basically get any food you want delivered to your house. You can pick from all your favorite restaurants, and you can have them delivered right to your doorstep, contact-free. They won't even ring your doorbell. And you don't even have to talk to somebody face-to-face anymore. There's your food delivered to you. And so now the question that, that you have to ask yourself in your home is, are we staying in? Or are we going out? It's basically the biggest question that we have to ask now when it comes to food. Are we staying in or are we going out? And if you know me at all, you know that I would just as soon stay home in my jammies and (laughs) order food from my favorite restaurants and eat in a comfortable place in my own home. I love the option now of staying in. Extrapolate that question or that thought process out to the church for just a minute. Because we have the same choice. Here at Monta Vista, we have the same exact choice. Are we staying in or are we going out? And to stay in, what I really mean is to be in our comfortable environment with our closest friends, with our brothers and sisters, to take care of ourselves. No, I'm not talking about ordering food this morning, don't worry. (laughs) We're not going to do that. But to stay in really means to to stay in our comfort zone, to stay in these four walls, to take care of each other, to be with some of the best people on the face of the planet. And that's comfortable, that's easy, but is that what we're called to? This morning I want to talk about being, and you can can take this for whatever it's worth. I'll see. Now uh, the problems are showing up on my end. This morning I want to talk about being DoorDash disciples. That's the question. Are you a DoorDash disciple? And what I really mean by that is, are you more comfortable staying in, or do you see your mission to go out into the world? Being a DoorDash disciple might sound like a good thing, but for the purpose of this morning's lesson, it really isn't. It really isn't good for us to stay in our comfort zone, to stay insular within these four walls. We are called to go out. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's, let's consider a passage here in Mark chapter 6, if you will. Open up your Bibles, turn with you to Mark chapter 6. Familiar section of verses, I think, that we, we go to from time to time. This is what is popularly called the limited commission by Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 7, we'll read until verse 13. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons 
and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Early in Jesus' ministry, he sent out his 12 apostles into the world to go bring the message of Jesus, to bring the message of repentance to people. And as we think about our own lives and our own service, do we follow this example? Because this isn't the only place where disciples were called to go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. Of all the books that you, that you can really think of, I think the book of Acts really highlights how the gospel spreads by men and women going out into their communities and sharing the good news. And so what we're going to do this morning is look at four lessons that we learn here from this section in Mark chapter 6. Four lessons that we can learn about our own evangelism today. How important is, a, is it for us to, to go out rather than staying in? And the first lesson I think we learn from this section is really we are sent. That is what happened to the disciples here. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. He sent them. It's a simple point, but I think it's an important for us to see that the disciples needed to go out. They needed to leave Jesus' presence. And this is important because in Jesus' presence is, is where it was comfortable. With Jesus is where they were most at ease and most accepted. But when they went out, they faced opposition. They faced people who didn't appreciate them and who didn't love them. And in the same way, we are called to go out and be sent. And what we see from the book of Acts, all throughout really the book of Acts, is that God opens doors. God is a God who opens doors. Don't forget that. We think sometimes that when we go out into the world that it's all about us. We have to, we have to find people. We have to look for people who are receptive to the gospel. But don't forget that it's God who opens the doors. In Acts chapter 14, verse 27, we see at the sort of before the Jerusalem council, before the disciples really get together and talk about how the Gentiles are now accepted into the kingdom. We understand here that Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, and in verse 27, and when they arrived together, gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. It wasn't Peter's great action that caused the door to be opened to the Gentiles. It wasn't any of the disciples, any of the apostles at the time who did the work of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. It was God who opened the door. And when we go out, when we go out into our communities, when we go out into the world, it's God who provides us with the opportunities. Don't forget that. It's not about you. It's not about the people you know and the connections you make and your skill as a speaker. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's not about you. God opens the doors for us. And we need to see that. And we need to trust in him to open those doors for us and to provide us with opportunities. We have a, a number of our members here, and you may know of other people throughout the Lord's Church who have traveled to other countries to go teach the gospel. And that's wonderful. That's great. That's, that's an amazing job. And I've heard some wonderful stories from people who have gone far distances to bring the gospel to people. 
but you don't have to get on a plane to bring the gospel to people. You don't have to travel across the world to be sent. You can go to work. You can go to school. You can go in your communities. You can go across the street to your neighbor. To be sent out is really not a, a difficult job for us to do. We don't have to do some grand show of, of force there as we travel out long distances because God opens doors for us wherever we go. We need to trust him to do that because he did that back in the early church. He did that for his disciples in Mark 6, and he'll do that for us today. But we need to be watchful for those open doors. We need to watch for those open doors. And this is hopefully a prayer that you pray regularly. It's a prayer that I pray all the time. Open the doors and help me see those doors. Help me see the field that is white for harvest. Help me see these open doors. And in Acts chapter 18, verse 6, basically, Paul was fed up talking to the Jews. He was tired of talking to the Jews because they opposed him. They didn't appreciate his message. And remember what Jesus said to his earliest disciples back in Mark 6? If they won't receive you, what do you do? You shake the dust off your feet and you just move on. And what does Paul do here in Acts chapter 18, verse 6? These Jews that he was teaching to in verse 5, they opposed him and reviled him. And what does he do? He shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. We need to watch for the open doors. Because sometimes we go and we try to talk to somebody, we try to teach somebody who's not receptive to the gospel who doesn't want to hear about Jesus, who doesn't want to hear about the power that he can have in their life. And rather than just banging your head against the wall, because that's what it feels like sometimes, sometimes it's time to shake the dust off your feet, to shake out your coat, and just move on. To understand when it's time to go to someone else, to understand when it's time just to say, look, I've invested enough time in this person, and they're not listening, so I need to move on. And that's hard, especially when you're dealing with someone that you really love, that you really care about, that you're close to, maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody that you spend a lot of time with, a friend of yours. It's hard to just say, I can't do any more here, and I'm, I'm not as effective as I could be. I need to move on. But it's something that we need to do because as God opens doors for us, if we're so focused on somebody who's not receptive, we may not see the opportunities in other places. And as Paul was able to do, he did a lot of amazing work for the Gentiles. And if he had focused all of his time just on the Jews, he wouldn't have been as effective as he was. And we need to understand that we can be effective in our work, in our evangelism, in our sharing the good news joyfully with the world if we watch for those open doors. And so maybe a challenge for us to ask ourselves, who in my life can Christ bring hope and peace to? You all have people in your life, every one of us. If you just sit down and think about it for a little while, who in my life, who in my circle of influence needs hope and peace? Because I know a lot of people in my own life who, and I hope you'll excuse the metaphor, they need to get vaccinated against anxiety and despair. They are so worried about life. They're so worried about what's going to happen to them. They're so consumed with terror over politics, over the pandemic, over everything. And if they had a relationship with Jesus, I know 
they would have hope and peace. And so think about that for your own life. And maybe if it's helpful, make a list of these people. Keep them in your prayers. Think about those people who, who God is opening a door for you. And watch for them. Watch for those people and be an influence on them. Remember them in your prayers. Bring up the Lord. Bring up the gospel in conversation. Bring up what he's done for you and the hope and the peace that he's brought to you when you talk to them. Just a, a practical challenge maybe that we can all do throughout the week. Well, let's move on here in Mark 6. We also see strength, don't we? We see strength. The disciples weren't sent out alone. They weren't sent out unprepared. In fact, Jesus sent them out two by two. Now, if you're a mathematician at all and you're crunching the numbers, you realize that they're not going to be as effective in their spread of the gospel if they go out in pairs. Wouldn't they be more effective? Wouldn't they cover more ground if they went out alone? Twelve points across the map instead of six? But Jesus understood something, and, and he doesn't explain it to them about why he does this, why he sends them out two by two. But we even see it in the book of Acts all the time. We see that we're better in pairs. We're better in groups. We can leverage each, other, each other's strengths. We can lean on each other. We can get counsel and encouragement from each other. And, and I honestly think that's why Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. But not only did he send them out two by two, what else did they have? They were given power over unclean spirits. They were given a strong tool to go out and bring the message forcefully to people, to, be, to bring it in a convincing way. And look, we have strength with us too. Jesus is with us. In Acts 23, verse 11, we see this great conversation between Paul and Jesus when Paul was in Jerusalem and he had been arrested. And basically, there is a plot to kill him underway. Jesus comes to him in prison and says in verse 11, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. It's amazing that the Apostle Paul in prison, in shackles, basically, is having a, a, an intimate conversation with Jesus himself, where Jesus tells him, take courage. This is going to be fine. You've been preaching about me here in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you off to Rome to do the same thing. That's where you're going. Where two or more are gathered in my name, where is Jesus? He's in our midst. We sing that song, he is in our midst. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is with us when we go? Whenever we leave these four walls, do we believe that, that he goes with us? That he's here with us now? Because that's a powerful source of strength for me. That helps me understand that I'm not alone. I'm not alone because I have Jesus on my side. I have his word equipped to be able to bring out to the world. I've got the shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've got my shoes on, I've got the Lord with me, and I can go out into the world with strength. And so can you. And so understand that Jesus is with us, but also know that we have each other. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, they went together. And we understand at some point Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement, 
And so they separated ways, but they didn't go out alone. They found two other disciples to go with them. They went out in pairs. They went out together. And look, you can look around the, the auditorium right now and you can see a lot of empty seats. But you know what? We've got two of us here at the very least. We've got more than two. If, if you're watching online, there are more than two people in the room right now. Don't worry. We're a group. We gain strength from each other. We gain, we gain encouragement from each other. And as Paul gained encouragement from Barnabas, we gain encouragement from each other when we go out and teach to others. We can talk about the work that we do. We can talk about the challenges that we face. We can talk about the opportunities that we have. And, you know, it's easy to talk about sports and the stock market and weather in the auditorium lobby there. But maybe it's helpful for us to have deeper conversation. Maybe we can ask each other some spiritual questions about our evangelism. So another challenge, ask someone, what blessings do you wish your unbelieving friends knew? What blessings do you wish that people in your sphere of influence knew? And have those conversations with people. And, I, and I've had these conversations with people. And when I've talked to people about this, I've found interesting insights that I can bring out to my unbelieving friends. Things that they need to hear about, things that they need to know about, ways that I can approach them and help them. And as we talk with each other about the work that we're doing, we can understand how to better do that work. We can understand how to be encouraged when that work doesn't pan out like we thought it would. We gain strength from each other. And that's important, as that's one of the great designs of the church. But we also see back in Mark chapter 6, simplicity, don't we? Now, I, I am traveling to the East Coast tomorrow. And I have been thinking a lot about what I am going to bring with me. And you'll remember, I think I've talked about it before, like if I could pack all of my stuff into a suitcase that was about this big, I'd be just happy as a clam. I, I love packing light. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do when they went out two by two. Don't bring food. Don't bring like plan B, you know, emergency rations or anything like that. Don't bring an extra set of clothes. Just bring the clothes you have on your back shoes on your feet, and a staff. And that's all you need. That's all you need. And Jesus was setting them up not, not to fail, not to, not to have lack or to have want while they were out, but he was setting them up to trust him. Right? Isn't that what we see there? They don't trust in their own provisions. They don't trust in their own preparation. They just trust him. They trust in God. They trust God to take care of the work. And that's what we need to do. When we are sent out with strength, we need to understand that the job is really simple. And sometimes when we talk about evangelism, it's like this $5 word that's just super important, and we, we might load and pack a lot of meaning into that. But at the core, evangelism is just a simple job. It's a simple job. And it's a simple job with a simple message. If you go to Acts 2 and you read Peter's great Pentecost sermon, you can really boil it down to just such a simple message. Jesus, who was God's son as evidenced by his resurrection from the dead and his miracles, you killed him. 
That was his message, in a nutshell. As, as Peter explained what they needed to hear, he connected the dots for them in such a simple and convicting way that the only thing that they could do is throw up their hands and say, what do we do now? What do we do now? He didn't make it complicated. He didn't get into all the theological implications or trying to answer all of their questions about this issue or that issue or that sin or this other sin over here. The message was simple. And throughout the gospel, we see that the message is simple. But I am a complication machine. <laughs> I, are you a complication machine? Do you have trouble overcomplicating things? I was just talking to Greg, who's going to be preaching next week. And he was telling me how he's got all this material and he's getting all ready. And he said, now I just have to sit down and chop out a bunch of the stuff that I've written down. And, and honestly, when you write, Don's shaking his head, when you write a lesson, 90% of the work is cutting things out of it, just simplifying it, editing it down, paring it down to the, to the fundamental core thing that needs to be shared with people. And what fundamentally needs to be shared with people is that Jesus is God's son and our sins put him on the cross. And that is what we need to share with people. The message is simple. So don't overcomplicate evangelism. Don't overcomplicate sharing the gospel with people. Because we're not going out there trying to deal with every possible issue under the sun. What we're trying to deal with is sharing the good news of Jesus. And not only is the message simple, but the delivery is simple. And we need to understand that as well. As we see in Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we don't know the contents necessarily of what Philip taught him, but how did that conversation start? Yes, Philip was told by the Spirit to go, so he went, and what was his first question? Do you understand what you're reading? There it is. There was the open door, and there was Philip just walking right through it. He didn't make it, over, he didn't make it complicated. It wasn't a difficult conversation to have. All he asked was, you understand what you're reading. And the conversation naturally flowed from there. That's the delivery that we should be bringing out into the world. That's how simple it can be. You'll remember how in John chapter 1, Andrew and Philip, when they, when they met Jesus face to face, what did they go and tell others? Come and see, we have found the Messiah. And that's all they said. They didn't try to explain all the details. They didn't try to teach them about Jesus. They just said, come and see. you got to see this for yourself. John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. What does she do? She goes back to her hometown. She goes to her family and her friends and her neighbors. And what does she say? Come and see. I found the Messiah. I found the one who we've been looking for. I found him. Come and see. And as simple as deliveries go, that's what we can do for people. That's all we have to do for people, is just say, come and see. It's not complicated. Let's not make it complicated. Let's, let's keep it simple and understand that, that the message is beautifully simple. And let's connect the dots for people in such a simple and clear way that they will also say, what do I need to do now? And so maybe another challenge that we can take on is a prayer. Pray to the Lord 
Lord, teach me to plant and water, trusting you to provide the increase. And that's based on 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, as we see that I, Paul, planted and Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? The Lord gives the increase. And isn't that a comforting thought? That all I have to do is put the seed in the ground. And all I have to do is water that seed. Can any of you make a tomato plant grow out of a seed that you put in the ground? Do you have the power to do that? Is that within your purview or your scope of authority to be able to make a seed grow? We can't do that physically, and believe it or not, you can't do that spiritually either. I can't strong-arm people into accepting the gospel. If I could, I'd be doing it right now. If I could, I'd be doing it with my family and my friends who haven't yet given their life to the Lord. Oh, I would be strong-arming people and making them, forcing them to obey the gospel, but, but I can't do that. That's not within my scope. That's not within my purview. And so I need to pray to the Lord, Lord, help me to do the work that I'm called to do while you do the work that you've promised that you'll do. Remember that God is in control of the growth. He's the one who causes the growth. And all we have to do, simply put, is plant and water. I was talking to a friend recently who seemed a little bit discouraged about how many people he's talked to, how many people he's shared the gospel with, and how few of those people have actually given their life to the Lord. And what a, what a freeing and what a blessing it is to know that that's not my job that I'm not responsible for other people's decisions. I'm not responsible for what they do when I plant the seed and when I water it. So praise the Lord that he's promised to give the increase. So let's move on to the last point here. The last thing we see in Mark 6 as Jesus called his apostles to go out is we see that the gospel spread. That is what the gospel does. The gospel spreads naturally. And here's the thing. If you are a, a joyful and excited, enthusiastic person, let's say about rebuilding cars, let's say you're an excited, enthusiastic person about the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're in the playoffs now, right? And so I, I heard a conversation about mom and dad who were not wearing purple or orange this morning, and, and some people were worried about that. But normally, when you're excited about something, people know it, right? You put bumper stickers on your car, you put a personalized license plate on, you wear the colors of your team, you post on social media about the things that you're doing. People know when you're excited about something, right? And as people start to see that, your excitement begins to spread. It's infectious. People get excited about what you're excited about because you're out there telling them about it. And that's what happened with the gospel back in Mark 6, as the disciples go out, the gospel spreads. And it starts spreading in some real tangible ways and doing the work that one person alone could not have done. And as the gospel spread back there, we absolutely see in the book of Acts the gospel spreading. The gospel is spreading like the term gangbusters here. I mean, it's just out. And so you see in Acts chapter 6, after there was some difficulty within the church over the the widows who were being neglected in the daily serving of food, 
Some men were appointed to serve, and you might call these the first deacons. I wouldn't be dogmatic about that. But in verse 7, after that work was taken care of, after those men were put in place, what happens to the, the word in verse 7? The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God multiplied. And that is exactly what happens with the message. The message is meant to multiply. Its goal is to multiply. As Jesus called his disciples to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, he has called us to do the same thing. And as believers relay that message out to other unbelievers, the gospel continues to spread. The gospel spreads. It absolutely does. And I I hesitate to even talk about spreading in a time where we've got some stuff spreading in our number here as well. But you understand, just like a disease can spread through close contact with people, the gospel is not an infectious disease. The gospel is infectious, though. It absolutely is. And it multiplies. And you can infect other people with your joy over the gospel. You can share it with them. They can become passionate about it. They can turn their life to the Lord, and then they can turn around and share it with other people. That is what the message does. And you know what? We look around at adversity. We look around and we understand that things are not always easy. Things are not always the way that we want them to be. I know a lot of us right now just want to go back to quote-unquote normal whatever that normal actually means. But please understand that the gospel is not affected by adversity. It's not. The gospel doesn't stop working just because things get difficult. In fact, the gospel spreads when things get difficult. And we see that in Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except the Jews. You, what, one of the great things we see in the book of Acts is the scattering. As people go out, as believers go out, the word goes out. Why were they going out? Because of persecution. Because they were being put in prison. Because they were, their livelihood and their lives were on the line. So they left. They left Jerusalem and went back to their homes. And as they went back, even in adversity, they taught the gospel to other people. And the word scattered, even in difficult times. And so while you might look around the room right now, and you might see a number of our members who are are gone, who are at home right now, please don't ever believe that the gospel is ineffective while we're not all here together. The gospel is always effective. It is always effective, no matter what is going on, no matter what Satan throws at us. The word of God is powerful, and it will multiply if you will go out. If rather than staying in, you will go out. And so the last challenge that I'll leave you with in this lesson is, look, just invite someone. Invite someone to hear the good news, whether at a gathering, whether here at a worship service or over at someone's home, or just over coffee. Sit down with them. Talk to them about the good news. Keep it simple, but let it spread. Let it spread. And that's never going to happen unless you open your mouth and invite someone. 
It's a simple thing we can all do. And I hope maybe if you've thought of evangelism as this guy's job, or maybe you've thought of evangelism as, some, as something maybe that you're not good at, I hope you understand that Jesus never called scholars and people with flowery words to go out and, and orate about the gospel to other people. He called regular folks. He called fishermen. He called tax collectors. He called normal, everyday people to go out and just tell people. And you're a normal person. I'm a normal person. And we're all called to go out. It's our job. So hopefully this has been helpful for you. And just asking the question, are we staying in or are we going out? I don't want you to be a DoorDash disciple. I don't want you to be somebody who just stays within these four walls. I want you to be somebody, along with myself, challenged to go out with the mission of Jesus and bringing the good news to the world. Maybe you're here this morning and you understand what you need to do to be saved. Maybe you've not made that step of giving your life to the Lord in baptism. We're happy to help you begin that journey. We're happy to baptize you this morning. We will do whatever it takes to help you start that journey with the Lord this morning. If you need the prayers of this group for help in some way, please come forward as we stand and sing.